0: I think money is an instrument for change, but it's not the change itself. And it's a very powerful tool, and it depends on who wields it and what kind of change gets implemented. If if a bad person has good money to make change, they're going to make bad changes. Throwing good money at bad doesn't do a damn thing.
1: Hello there. How are you all? Hope you're having a great week just want to let you know we're going to be doing a whole bunch of activities in the UK in April. Going to tell you about that shortly. But welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, the only place I'm using for buying Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack. And today I've got George Kaloudis on the show. Now, George works at Coindesk. And recently, when we're out in Nashville and we were with Harry Sadek, he said to us, we've got to get George on the show as soon as possible. So when we were in New York, we did exactly that. And We kind of made a bit of a reality check show for Bitcoiners and what actually Bitcoin can fix. We got into a bunch of subjects from the Fed to politics to governance and democracy. So I hope you enjoy this. And if you've got any questions about this show or anything else, you can get in touch. It's com. I also want to tell you about a bunch of things that are going to be happening in the UK in April. So we've got the final Rail Bedford home game of the season. That's on the 15th of April. With any luck, we're going to have won the title and be given the trophy that day. Now, we're organizing a bunch of events around that weekend anyway. So on the Thursday, Thursday the 13th, we're going to be having a Bitcoin meetup. Really just a drinks, drinks and hangout session. On the 14th, on the Friday, we've got a live What Bitcoin Did event. Ben Ark is joining us, and we're working on two other special guests who will hopefully be joining us for that. On the Saturday, we've got a morning meetup, and then we've got the game. And then on the Sunday, on Sunday the 16th, we've got farewell drinks of food. Now, if you want to join us for any of that, it's all up on the What Bitcoin Did website. Just go to whatbitcoindid.com and click on WBD Live. As I said, any questions about this or anything else, do drop me an email. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Your dad introduced you to Bitcoin? Yeah, you believe that? Yeah, I do. Well, I introduced my son to Bitcoin, right? Oh, you did?
0: Yeah, of course. Your son. He's 18. Okay, so I got a decade on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of crazy. Uh, so is your dad an actual Bitcoiner? Yeah, my dad is more of a Bitcoiner than anyone in this room, and he doesn't have any left. That's not OPSEC, that's genuine truth, because although he was a CPU miner back in the day, you know, life happens. I know you know life happens, right? So well, why are we talking to you and not
1: your dad? Why is he not here at this
0: table? I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I could
2: call him. I think next New York trip.
0: Was well, he here in New York? No, he's not. He's in uh, he's in North Carolina. But next time, man, let's get that. Yeah, he's from he's from Queens, so he'll he's from Queens and from Athens, right? He's just kind of crazy. A little back and forth there. Yeah. Um, so I can I can tell from your accent, I can picture
1: your dad in my mind. Yeah. I can picture him. I can totally picture. I'm probably going to be very cliched and think of all the uh, old-school New York films I've seen. I can imagine his accent.
0: Yeah. And he smoked camels, too. We have a camel jacket in the corner over there, so he looked about as cool as you're imagining in your head. So how come you're a West Ham fan?
1: Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, whenever somebody in the U.S. supports a football team, and is it Man U, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, Man City, I never understand it.
0: Yeah. So I'm a contrarian through and through, right? (laughs) So growing up, I was playing soccer all the time. And what? Soccer, football. I yeah. was playing. I was playing footy with my my friends. The, the the game you play where you kick the ball with your foot. Yeah, it's not not and a egg. Egg. exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I played I played football my whole life. Uh, I played in college even. So everyone I was playing with always was pulling for Manchester United, right? Sir Alex Ferguson. He's a guy. And so my dad was a Panathinaikos fan, so I played right. for them a little bit. And then I'd watch EPL all weekend. So who am I going to pull for? And then I watched Green Two Cool agains with my brothers and. You're a thug. Yeah, I'm a thug. You're a fucking thug. It's it's deep within me, right? I, I have that in me. I'm pretty civilized, but
1: I, I struggle with that film because his accent's so shit. His cockney is terrible. It's
0: so bad. And I'm not even Cockney, and I think it's terrible.
1: I was like, surely you can find like a decent British accent who can do a Cockney accent.
0: Yeah. But he is British, right? And he's an actor. And his American accent is pretty great. So he's great in Sons of Anarchy. So
1: hold on. Is he I, I, so I thought he was American till this very moment. I'm... His accent's so bad, I thought he was an American doing Cockney. I'm pretty sure he's English. Jesus. Yeah, he's British. <laughs> well, that's so he sounds like. An he's from American. Newcastle, though. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Fair from enough. The tune, <laughs> from the
0: tune. Yeah. Uh, good to see you, man. How are you? Hanging in there.
1: Do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners in case they don't know who you are?
0: I would venture to guess that they don't know who I am. Maybe. I'm one of those lowly plebs where. Well, Harry Sulluk is a big fan of yours. Yeah, I. I actually was listening to his show, and I heard my name, and I was washing dishes, because I'm just a lowly pleb, right? And (laughs) Whoa, my name. Uh, He's a good dude. Harry's the best. Very smart, too. Very philosophical. Kind of feels like he's floating off the seat when he speaks to you. A little philosopher. The thing about Harry is, me and Danny have both spotted this,
1: you'll bring up a subject, and... When you go to discuss it, you attack it like we all attack it, like you would. Harry yeah. goes around the outside and comes back in with this whole new way of thinking about that yeah. subject that you haven't even thought about yourself. Yeah, and he's fucking smart.
2: He's so yeah. logical, but that's his job, isn't it? His strategy. Yeah, and that's what he he sums things up instantly. And I don't know how. Yeah, his just his brain is bigger
1: and works faster. Yeah. He has, a, he, has a, he has a particularly large head, so he must have a massive <laughs> He does,
0: because so to fit that giant on brain in. It. Yeah, I'm not quite sure if we're close enough friends for me to say that, but yeah. I can say that. I love that dude. Yeah, I and love so do guy. I. But, I mean, I work at Coindesk, so okay. the shitcoin capital of the world. And I am our resident Bitcoin maxi. I started off as a research analyst writing about Bitcoin, and our research team kind of devolved and turned into something else. So I've become somewhat of a columnist who writes longer form things, just, you know, about Bitcoin, about the market in general. I have a background in, in finance. I started in investment banking, did that for far too long, about five years, got pummeled in the bullpen and made my way over to a Bitcoin adjacent job. So
1: we've been talking a little bit recently about ordinals, and I'm not going to get in, into that with you today. But one thing that seems to seems to be a thing at the moment, um, American hodl brought it up yesterday. He said a standing army destroys destroys itself. And it feels like there hasn't been a huge amount to talk about, argue about, debate about recently. And I'm like my observation at the moment is is that there's a lot of people who don't really know what to do at the moment with Bitcoin, what to say, what to talk about. And I think because of that, we've had this big influx of new people coming into Bitcoin with new ideas, whether yeah. it's macro people, governance people, philosophers, energy people. yeah and that's shifted the entire discussion regarding Bitcoin. You know, anything which is like about toxic maximalism just seems almost like juvenile mm-hmm. and irrelevant right now. And yeah. people are, are like hungry for bigger discussions about tangential subjects related yeah. to Bitcoin. Is Is that kind of something you've noticed?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's a good thing. We want to have as many Bitcoiners as possible. And as much as I think the earlier crowd would like to just talk about Bitcoin forever and ever and ever and how amazing it's going to be, for it to be successful it needs to kind of just disappear into the background and become our base money and just how our economy works, right? And to do that, we have to bring more and more people in. So as more and more people come in, we're going to have these new ideas, right? We see the generations that have come into Bitcoin. It was cyberpunks and libertarians. And then I'm not quite sure what it was after that. And then we have this toxic maximalism that was sort of the COVID-fed-driven culture. And then now it seems like ordinals might be pushing some non-Bitcoiners to come in. And that's fine. The thing that makes a Bitcoiner is not anything with culture. It has to do with liking Bitcoin, having Bitcoin. using Bitcoin using Bitcoin. It, you make me think of that term
1: when people say you're not a proper bitcoiner, and I always fucking hate that. And I always like, "Well what do you want about? What's a proper bitcoiner? Yeah, what, what what's inscribed in the protocol that says this is how you must be a bitcoiner?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I feel very strongly that I just don't want to fucking talk about Bitcoin forever. If in a decade I'm talking about Bitcoin on a podcast that isn't the biggest podcast in the world, I'm not interested in it. I want it to, be, I want it to disappear into the background. No one runs around saying, oh, I'm a US dollar or a dollar maxi." That's fucking weird. Well, Schiff is a gold guy. I mean, gold bugs should be on the same page as Bitcoiners. And I've no my fair share of gold bugs because my parents own a restaurant in the, in the country in North Carolina. And, you know, they'll be, I remember when a burger was a nickel.
1: I mean, we have, God, people have heard this so many times, the podcast we've brought a bit, but we have this ongoing debate. Mm-hmm. So when is this not called what Bitcoin did? Yeah. Not just for not just like an ego thing. Yeah. I mean, I do have that desire to have conversations that are outside of Bitcoin. We do it a lot. We just did, was it eight shows in a row? Six shows? Yeah, it was two weeks' shows, so six shows, yeah. So what we do is every now and again we make shows which aren't about Bitcoin, yeah. but like the subjects that are tangential to Bitcoin, sure. right? And they finally get away with it. We decided why well, I decided Danny wasn't sure I said let's release all six of those shows we've made which aren't Bitcoin shows all in a row and see what happens and look the downloads dropped 15 to 20 percent yeah but I think we went through our reputationally our best period in terms of people writing to us to saying I am loving the content at the moment So we lost the Bitcoin only people yeah but we created more loyal uh, listeners in terms of the content. Yeah. And so there will become a time where this isn't what Bitcoin did. It's just you know, McCormack Show or something yeah. else. Whatever it is, it will still be a Bitcoin show, but it won't be a Bitcoin show. It is all the subjects that Bitcoiners care about. Yeah. Energy, philosophy,
0: sure. money, macro. It's, it's topics people care about. People are Bitcoiners. All people should be Bitcoiners. Oh, everyone should be a Bitcoiner.
1: People are Bitcoiners too.
0: Right. People are Bitcoiners too. Exactly. That's actually a, probably a funny way to say that. But it's as if you were a preacher and you're standing in front of in the pulpit and you said, God is amazing. God is amazing. Jesus is amazing. And then you've kind of said, okay, Jesus said we should be good people. So you didn't talk about Jesus and God and stuff, but you're talking about all the good things he did, right? Yeah. And there are tangential things with Bitcoin. There are plenty of things out there to talk about that isn't just Bitcoin. Right? Bitcoin is not supposed to change. We're not supposed to talk about it all the time. It's supposed to be there TikTok, next block, right?
1: But it's supposed to change everything around us. Kind of. Well the incentive, I mean, so everything that money touches, mm-hmm. which has poor incentives, it hopefully contributes to things improving. But also the uh, the positive externality of considering your time preference, should mean that you consider other things such as health, wellness, and such and such. Now, you could be doing all that as a non-Bitcoiner. Yeah. And as somebody who's new to Bitcoin, you might think about that stuff. Not to say Bitcoin fixes everything.
0: I would argue it doesn't.
1: It It doesn't fix everything. It doesn't,
0: like, really fix anything, except maybe money.
1: I mean, Bitcoin doesn't stop Tottenham being shit.
0: Yeah. (laughs) What what did Sir Alex Ferguson say? Boys, it's Spurs.
1: (laughs) Three-point lane. Yeah. It's... (laughs)
0: I actually hadn't heard that one. I like yeah.
1: that one. That's the uh, that's the one I have with my buddies because so many of my friends support Tottenham. That's why I hate them because my problem with Tottenham fans is they they still think Tottenham are a big club. Yeah, and it's really frustrating because they're clearly not. They're you know they're a mid-table club. They're they you, your big clubs are your Manu, Man City, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool. Yeah, and then you've got your next level, which is Tottenham, Newcastle, Leicester, Villa. They're one of those. Now they think they're top tier. They act like they're top 10. Is that
0: are
1: Well, they're, but they're not. I mean, they're just... Yeah. yeah I mean, less at least Leicester win trophies. Yeah. What, FA Cup and a league? Yeah. When did Tottenham last win a trophy? I
2: have not know.
1: was before Bitcoin was invented. Was it, before, <laughs> was it? Yeah. I think it was like 1990, the one that like the... So okay. Bitcoin doesn't fix Tottenham? No, it can't fix Tottenham. Nothing fixes Tottenham. 2008.
0: 2008. Yeah, before Bitcoin. <laughs> so you think, do you think Satoshi was a Tottenham
1: fan? <laughs> he should have inscribed that into the <laughs> Genesis block. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't fix everything. So is that, is that you as an outsider coming in? You, do you, is that something you find particularly frustrating?
0: Yeah. And I'm a pretty hyperbolic person, it just in general. But if, say, I'm a regular person, a normal person, most people have heard of Bitcoin before, right? And the only thing I know about Bitcoin is that it exists. And you come up to me and you look me dead in the eye and you say... Bitcoin is going to fix healthcare, it's going to solve the mental health crisis, it's going to fix our food supply chain, it's going to end wars, it's going to get rid of all the lead in the air. I'm going to look at you and I'm going to roll my eyes so fucking hard that i spray my eye sockets, you know? It's absolutely ridiculous. And then why would I take anything you say after that at all seriously? All right, give me one. Let me, let me have a go at rationalizing. I mean, what did I say? Mental health crisis? Like, I don't think money fixes... The mental health whatever the mental health crisis might be
1: okay so let's I'm a, say i'm not a psychologist let's like. say well why is there a mental health crisis i think there's a combination of things it's mm-hmm. social media child pressure life pressure i can make an argument that a lot of this has come down to parents not spending spending enough time with their children because they're getting squeezed you know what used to be one salary used to pay for a, a house a car and a holiday Two salaries now can't even pay for all that. Yeah. The pressure on parents is to work harder. They're leaving their kids to own devices. The, the family unit's been broken by the breaking of the financial system. By improving the financial system and changing the incentives, you would have more time for families to be with their children to to dedicate to raising them in the right way so they face less of these mental health issues.
0: Sure. I mean, but you don't lead with, we're going to solve it. It's It's... Bitcoin has a marketing problem, I guess, is the way you could say it. Where did that come up before?
1: That's Neil Berkeley, the guy I make films with. Okay. He thinks Bitcoin has a, mar- a marketing problem. Yeah, I, and mean, I agree.
0: Besides that, the, the grandiose claims, these hyperbole, these hyperbolic statements, you also have really crappy UX. I mean, a lot of the really, really good wallets have terrible UX. The best way to use Bitcoin wallets is to have a non custodial wallet, right? And if you want to use Lightning, a non custodial Lightning wallet which means you have to have your own Lightning node, which you connect to over Tor. And maybe it's a little finicky. That's a pain in the ass. You know what's better? To use Wall of Satoshi or something where it's very, very simple to send Bitcoin.
1: Yeah, dude, listen, when we were at Pacific Bitcoin, we had a little store where we were selling Rail Bedford merchandise okay. and stuff, and people want to pay in Bitcoin. One guy actually had his uh, non-custodial Lightning wallet connected to his Lightning node. It took forever. Yeah, it Failed, it didn't connect, failed. But I have sympathy. I'm like, well, we're trying to build a decentralized technology that is state resistant. These things improve. You look at Bitcoin uh, back when it was command line interface, and then we had wallets, and now we have improving wallets. And yeah, so I'm like sympathetic to it. Yeah. But I also sympathetic to your point of view.
0: Yeah, and to be clear, I love Bitcoin, but some people do not think that I do. Some of the sort of gatekeepers and the laser eye contingency, they don't think I'm all in because I'm critical of it. Something I love very deeply. And I'm critical of it.
1: I've been through that, man. <sighs> yeah, I've been through that. I've been critical, critical UX. Same, I don't, I said I didn't run a node very, you know, no, very late on yeah. for a time when I should have been. My rule on this, tell you my rule. Okay. I think I talked about this, Rob, before the previous interview. I said, my rule on this is if I don't think my friends, oh, right, let me back up a second. Sure. I started this podcast to help people like me understand Bitcoin. But, I make the show based on what I think the audience will do and will care about. So, whereas a Bitcoiner thinks I should run a node, I go, do I think my dad, brother, friends will run a node? No, they won't. So, I won't. And the reason I do that is because, hopefully, then you'll end up getting a version of a node you don't even have to think about. It's like part of a router or something. It's part of a wallet. You forget about it. Xpubs. Really pissed off a bunch of people, but not. I, saying, I don't know what next pub is, yeah. and, and I don't care. Mm-hmm. But you should care. Yeah, and this is what. No, I don't care, <laughs> and that's why. Because I think if you if you if you if you got a random selection of people from Coinbase, the random thousand customers, and you ask them what what's the next pub, yeah, I'd be, out of those thousand, I'd be surprised if you had five who knew what it was.
0: And then could they even answer why it matters?
1: Yeah, and, and that's the point. It's like, yeah. And someone like a Matt O'Dell might rightly argue, well, if you want sovereign money, you have to take responsibility for this, and you should learn it. Yeah. But if your background is UX and design and strategy, you go, you understand how people operate, how people think, yeah. and, and you know they don't give a fuck.
0: Yeah. I, I want to steal a tweet from a Coindesker who I respect. You've had him on, David Morris. Oh, I David. Yeah, he's very smart. How's his book coming along? Uh, It's coming along, it seems. Um, I'm going to talk to him later today. Uh, Say hello from us. I will. But he said, and this is, I'm going to sound like I'm uh, mixing metaphors and kind of playing on both sides, but he said that people are mid, just in general. So people are mid, but also like people are amazing. You know, we have opposable thumbs. It's fucking awesome, right? People are very smart, but they're also, they don't want to have to deal with all this bullshit. And I mean, I mean, bullshit when I say it, right? People are mid, but you know, we believe in the people. Does that
1: make sense? Yeah, I totally get it. I, <laughs> I get it. Like you're I think you and I are probably on a very similar page with all of this. Um and also you're a journalist. You can make an argument positive. record. <laughs> you know, you can make an argument past what I do is journalism. And so you have to be kind of you, you kind of have to be objective sometimes, as best as you can be from a personal perspective, and try and say, but what a what if?
0: Yeah. I can yell about Bitcoin's privacy issue. You're talking about Matt O'Dell. He's the guy to talk to about privacy, maybe LOP as well. But privacy is hard on Bitcoin. I don't know how to make it easy. Again, I'm a writer. I'm a think boy. I don't have anything to go forward with, but privacy is hard on Bitcoin. and It feels like it shouldn't be.
1: Well, I think there's a distinct difference between being a journalist and being a cheerleader. Your job when you go to work every day isn't to cheerlead Bitcoin, it's to be a journalist. Sure.
0: But I can cheerlead in my, I don't know, my personal time, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Approaching things and being critical of it, like you're saying, is not me saying it's bad. But if I can, you were talking we we're talking about mental health. If I can say that Bitcoin doesn't solve that, it doesn't mean I don't think it could if we fix the money. And then there's, you know, two fa- two-parent households and things like that.
1: So what does it actually mean to you then? What does Bitcoin mean to you? What does it improve?
0: So... Like I mentioned earlier, I've known about Bitcoin for a long time. Everyone seems like they've known about it. Oh, I knew about it. My my friends are buying drugs with it. They're buying fake IDs. I knew about it in 2007. Yeah, exactly. So I'd be rich now. No, you wouldn't because you would have sold. fucking idiot. Uh, I've known about it for a long time, and I didn't really even care about it until I heard about and or met people who actually genuinely needed it. And what I mean by that is everyone in this room has a bank account. Yep. We're yeah. relatively privileged when it comes down to it, seriously.
1: Relative? We're, we're the most privileged in the world. We're the, we're at the 1% of the 1%, yeah. right?
0: yes. We're very lucky. Absolutely. We're so lucky. I go into and open a bank account. I don't even have to go into a branch, right? I've opened a Bank of America bank account from my cell phone. Yeah. That's amazing. Not everyone can do that, right? We have so many people living under authoritarianism. Some people, if your name is Osama bin Laden, how are you going to open a bank account. Right? Yeah. It's going to get flagged. You're going to have to come in, You have the show, all these, whatever. Or you have no electricity where you live. Right. The story that got me or where Bitcoin kind of collapsed on me and I said, wow, this is actually something that's very profound. I read a story about Venezuelans going to the coffee shop and they were scraping off little gold flakes to pay for coffee. That is crazy. And, oh, They have a debasing currency. That's why they're doing that. What if we had something that was more infinitely divisible, like Bitcoin? That's when it sort of collapsed in on me. And that's when, okay, those are the people that need Bitcoin. I don't need Bitcoin. And again, that makes me sound pompous. Like, I don't need Bitcoin. The poor people need Bitcoin. But they do. They need it more than I do. And I'll share another story. Can I throw some nuance in that? Sure.
1: Because with with American Hoddle yesterday, as I mentioned, and I put a question to him about the different needs of people of the third world and Bitcoin. Yeah. I think it's less that these people need Bitcoin on an individual level, they need Bitcoin to work on the grand macro level. So yeah. what I mean by this is, if you're in a you know, third world country, somewhere where you're living on less than $3 a day, what do you need? You need a way of holding money and spending money, and ideally a currency that doesn't debase. But the problem we have is we have so much volatility. Mm-hmm. The debasement argument is kind of is dumb on a short-term window. Yes. Eventually, if it's the global currency. If Bitcoin is a global currency and has high liquidity, yes, it should be fairly stable. But while it's and while its price is not stable, it is useless to somebody living on $3 a day. It's a great payment mechanism. Yeah. Heck, if you bought your Bitcoin in I don't know, February of last year halfway through the year, you could have lost half your value. That's, yeah. So, so I, it's not that I think they need it. I think they need it to work. And there's parts of it they need right now. Uh, there's, yeah, you know, uh, the stuff that Jack Malas is doing with Strike. Yeah. That's super useful. It's awesome. But I think they need it to
0: work. Yeah. Do you understand the difference? I do. And this, I'm going to talk about Tether now, but I've heard stories from people I know, people going across borders in Russia during the sanctions, and they didn't, only use Bitcoin to bring their money out of the country. They use Tether as well, mm. and I know eight percent inflation in the U.S. dollar or whatever the actual number is is terrible. But you know, what was Zimbabwe back in 08 had sixty-five million percent inflation? That's eight percent is pittance compared to that, right? It's you, nothing. you don't
1: even need that. I mean, you can talk about Turkey at fifty-six yeah. percent. you can talk about well, Lebanon's just uh, de- yeah. de- devalued their currency. by another 90%. Argentina, Argentina, yeah. Like th- yeah. I don't know how much money you got in the bank or your savings. Sure. If I was hit by ninety percent inflation, that would wipe out everything I've done for the last five years. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Wiped out. Yeah. I I mean Bitcoin does kind of I think you're actually making this argument that it, it does fight against currency debasement because if everyone uses it, it's a way to opt out of their currency, right? Is that what you're trying to I'm point saying out? if
1: there was no speculation against Bitcoin. Yeah, no paper Bitcoin, right? Yeah, well just no speculation. And we didn't have these bull and bear markets. Yeah um it would be a much more useful tool yeah. against inflation yeah. yes the unit you cannot debase the unit sure but you can one sat s- is
0: one sat unless you put uh, a clown picture on it or something
1: yes you can't debase the unit but it is not a unit of account so the speculation on it yeah. means it's too volatile for certain people as a currency it's just yeah. way too risky and i've i've had arguments on twitter where people are like you know i've defended stablecoins i said look i the why the reason i defend tron and ethereum is for one reason one reason only there are stable coins issued on them that people find useful. And some yeah. people are like, no, they should be using Bitcoin. I'm like, you're fucking stupid. Yeah. Go to visit these countries. These people cannot afford a 50% haircut.
0: Yeah, we, this, we can do make this a nuance show. But the, the nuance there is someone like my grandmother, who is uh, an immigrant, she came to this country and she worked in a lance factory, right? Making crackers, chips, and because that's the only thing she could do. She could, couldn't speak English. She can kind of do, you know, she could say, fork, table, chair, things in your kitchen. Uh and she was really good at saving her money, but all of her purchasing power was getting just wiped away over years and years and years since the 70s, because she didn't know that, oh, I need to buy stocks and bonds and rebalance my portfolio. And I hate using the term sophisticated, but because she's not a sophisticated investor, she wasn't able to save her purchasing power. So if we had a base money that in a, I mean, Bitcoin's treated like an asset, right? If you had a base money that was treated like an asset and it kind of just, up along the way, it's savings technology built in the money. So selfishly, I would have loved Bitcoin to be available to my grandmother as she was, you know, coming up in a new country. So it's kind of cut in the other way, right? Yeah, I mean, look, these are all time frames. Yeah,
1: yeah, sh- short-term time frame. Unless you pick your timing right, sure. It, Bitcoin's either good or bad for you. Yeah, and I'm tr- super conscious of not having uh, kind of my own time bias because. I've been in Bitcoin for, yeah, let's say six years, Yeah, five and a half, six sure. years this time. And I've done well because of that. But there are some people who've been in it for four years and who are down.
0: Yeah. I mean, at some point, long-term, long, what, is it, long, what did they say, long-time preference behavior needs to turn into short. I mean, you're not going to live forever, mm. right? So at some point, we need to reap what we sow. Are we going to be saying for the next 10 years, oh, 10 years and 10 years and 10 years until we die? We're just going to do this forever? That's an issue, right? This show
1: is brought to you by Wasabi, who I will now be using to make sure I keep all my Bitcoin private. Now, Wasabi 2.0 makes Bitcoin privacy effortless as a wallet has introduced privacy by default. Rather than having to choose to coin join like in Wasabi 1, this is all done automatically. So, all you need to do is receive your Bitcoin, wait for the coin join, and then you can send privately all the magic happens automatically in the background, which is a massive UX improvement, something, you know, I'm always moaning on about. Now, you also get additional privacy through Tor integration into Wasabi, so you don't need to leak your IP address, and there is no more minimum denomination, so you can coin join any amount, and there is no change, so any amount you receive from a coin join is private. Privacy is something I'm taking a lot more seriously, and Wasabi 2 makes this so much easier. If you want to find out more, please head over to wasabiwallet.io, which is W-A-S-A-B-I-W-A-L-L-E-T.io. Next up, we have Fortress. Now, 4% of all Bitcoin transactions on an MOM basis go through Fortress, which equates to $7.7 billion since their inception in 2017, of which $3.6 happened last year, 2022, last year alone. Now, Bitcoin is more than just a holding asset. We see large organizations already using it in their day-to-day operations. And if you want to do this, you do not need to overhaul your system. You simply need to integrate Fortress to handle all your Bitcoin treasury operations. If you want to find out more about this, please head over to Fortress.com, which is F-O-R-T-R-I-S.com. Also, today we have Gemini, who I am using exclusively for buying and selling Bitcoin, but I'm not selling a Bitcoin right now, are you? I hope you're not. Now, I am also using the Gemini app for buying the dips, and I've also set up a DCA with twice-monthly Bitcoin buys, and I've been stacking sats all through this bear market. Both the app and the website make buying and selling Bitcoin super easy, and Gemini has invested in building industry-leading security since day one. And Gemini are running a special offer for listeners of What Bitcoin Did?, all you need to do is head over to gemini.com forward slash WBD, and new customers get $20 in Bitcoin when they trade $100 or more on Gemini. If you want to find out more, please head over to gemini.com forward slash WBD, which is G-E-M-I-N-I dot com forward slash WBD. So what, do you, what does it fix then? What, what, what are the areas of Bitcoin you're super interested in?
0: I mean, we're talking about my privilege, but I mean, the Fed is, what are they doing, man? <laughs> Inflation at 8% on one hand, I just said it's not that big of a deal. That is crazy as being, you know The world's superpower. We have the US dollar. We need a Way to opt out of that and Bitcoin does do that and a lot of econ twit Gets mad about the fact that it has a cap supply And I think that's a load of bullshit No one sits there and does time value money calculations whenever they buy groceries. They just want to buy fucking groceries. And so what I do think it fixes is, maybe quite loosely, fixes the fact that our money is shit for saving. And it's sort of what I talked about earlier with my grandmother. She can save in her money and not have to worry about if Apple is going to be the dominant uh, phone for whatever, right? That's like the best stock, whatever it is. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do do you think the
1: Fed is evil, dumb, or do you think this is just a natural outcome from having central banking? I think
0: I'm naive. I don't think that our systems and our political system in the US is evil. I really don't. I do think that the incentive misalignment with the fact that there are celebrity politicians now is a huge problem because I I don't... You like talking about politics. I don't like talking about politics because I get so angry about the celebrity politicians. I don't think politicians, are, the celebrity ones, are doing what they think is best for the people. I think they are doing what they think the constituent that will get them elected purport to want. Does that even make a shred of sense? I uh,
1: literally one hundred percent agree with you. I've just written a, an intro for Jason Meyer's book. Okay, and in that I identify. I've talked for years about this that this. Political cycle, the four-year cycle, is highly detrimental to making correct policy decisions for the electorate. Yeah, it's a war between two groups. I want your votes. He wants your votes. What am I going to say to get you your votes? Because I want to stay in power.
0: Yeah, and notice I'm talking about politics. However, the Fed is not supposed to be apolitical, but we Come know on, that's not man. the truth. Right? We had we had Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, saying, "Well, you know what to do here." No, I don't know what to do here. (laughs) So it's a, I I don't know how polarized the UK is. Not like the US. It's terrible. Yeah,
1: I think for a couple of reasons. I think two reasons. Uh, firstly, we don't have a two-party system, so we have that kind of like release valve. Yeah. Um,
0: you guys have a communist party or a socialist party. We have that in Greece, too.
1: Well, no, we have. Our communist party is the Labour Party. Oh, okay. Well, it, when Corbyn was in power, it was certainly okay. a socialist party.
0: You're, you're over here for me right now. Oh, All okay, so, right, so
1: we have conservatives and Labour, are two main parties. Okay. Uh, conservatives are your more fiscally conservative party, but also, they're they're more. I would say they're more for the elites. Yeah. Some people say the elites, the higher paid, because yeah. you know people who pay the most tax, they tend to be the higher paid, and they want to pay less tax. Although my dad, working class, my dad always voted conservative because he was like, they take less, they take less of my money away by tax. Yeah, I work fucking hard, to leave my money alone. Yeah, the Labour Party tend to be more socialist, more uh, have a deeper relationship with the, the unions. And tend to be the, those who a bit more like the Democrats. They want sure. um, they want kind of uh, free healthcare, free well we, everyone wants free healthcare in the UK, but uh, sorry, free education, those kind of things. So I think, but I think because we don't have a we also have the Liberal Democrats, but they're kind of if you don't want to vote either party, you kind of tend to go for them. They're they they're kind of like your champagne socialists, your middle sure. yeah, they're <laughs> your, like your middle class. It, they're your middle-class voters yeah. who are embarrassed to vote conservative because conservatives are seen as they're, they're the rich people
0: party.
1: Yeah, the they, 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 people call them Tory scum, and they tend to think they don't. They're very inconsiderate about the rest of society.
0: People, they're they're mean too, over there, aren't they?
1: Yeah, they are. <laughs> but we have the Green Party, which has yeah. quite you know a solid position. So we just have that. But I think the big, the even bigger reason we don't have. Uh, we don't have news channels dedicated to a particular wing of politics. Yeah, the B- the BBC, uh, I can see the criticism because it's essentially state media, but also it's so regulated. Yeah, and um, it has so many different like watchdogs, you know, keeping yeah. an eye on it that they kind of have to be fair. Yeah, and then. All the other channels, like we have we got GM GMB what's GM News? GB News. GB News. Yeah. That's kind of trying to be like Fox News. It's an absolute shit show full of morons. <laughs> and then we have um but Sky News tends to be pretty would you say balanced as well?
2: Yeah, a little bit. It's, it's if you try to like draw it in a map, it'd probably be BBC would be like just left of centre and yeah. Sky News probably just right of centre, I would guess.
1: Yeah. But it's not like... But they're, they're pretty
2: close. Like BBC especially is pretty... I, I know people hate BBC and I stand up for all time. I'm a statist or whatever. But I think the BBC is about the best news organization in the world.
0: Yeah, I I would I, I would probably agree with Danny on that. Do the talking heads make a ton of money like they do in the US? No,
1: and it's not a talking heads show. It's not a talk they're not They
0: There's don't no talk with Carlson's Anderson Cooper's No We don't to, no,
1: we have we have people who have regular slots, but not like that. Okay. If anything, Danny, I'd say they're both left to center. BBC's a bit more left. Probably, yeah. That's yeah. probably fair. Okay. But you kind I kinda of trust some of the reporters as journalists more than I would trust in the US? As I, you should. I find Fox News, slash uh, MSNBC, CNN. Is when you come from the UK and watch that, it's, it's fucking mental. It's a little different. I mean, it's it's so obvious to me how how much this is like, like leading to the f- uh, fracturing of society here. Yeah. Like these people, the the incentive structure is to make one group of people hate the other group of people.
0: Yeah. There is a shred of hope, though. I mean, I still do think that most people aren't polarized because I have friends and family that sit on either side of the spectrum, and they're closer to the center than I think our our media sort of shows. And so I think a lot of us are kind of looking at these crazy people who are on either side, like, what are y'all doing? So I think there's a shred of hope in there where people are going to stop trusting them and stop listening to them and just kind of move. But
1: right the center ground has no power in that yeah. there's there's no... There's no incentive structure for a central ground. Well, I'm going to come back to that. Sure. There's an incentive structure for either wing to fight, argue, point out the differences, and that there's a, an aligned incentive structure for politicians to then disagree with each other and never, you know, give ground. Like I, when I interviewed um, Ted Cruz, I said, "Can you tell me one thing you like about the Democrat Party? One policy you like?" He wouldn't give me one. Not even one. Not one. And so. I think that's the incentive structure. E- I, even if the middle ground's 80% of rational people,
0: where is their power yeah. to make change? Well, what is Ted Cruz going to do if all of a sudden liberals like Bitcoin? Is he going to not like Bitcoin anymore? That's a tricky one.
1: Yeah. That is a tricky one. And if he does, I mean, like it, if, if he changes his opinions like that, it shows that it, how shallow and... Yeah, And and how kind of like a terrible person he is because this this is not how you should be making the decisions. I understand differences of opinions on things like abortion, big key issues like Mm -hmm. that. I understand some of the challenges, the big issues that people are fighting over. But if you choose to fight on every issue, then what are you standing for?
2: I think the problem as well is like at an individual level, people are very rational. And like you can have a one on one conversation in private with someone, and most of the time you can find alignment. Yeah. But I think the problem comes in a lot of these news organizations, especially, is the like social pressure of aligning to certain topics. And I think that's that. I think while the BBC, I think, is a pretty good news organization, I think that's their massive problem. I think they have a, a um, like an internal pressure to conform to certain views. I don't think it's like a top-down issue. I think it's a social issue amongst like peer groups rather than it being like these evil overlords that tell you what your story
0: should be. I mean, there's a Bitcoin adjacent angle here. I think people really want to belong to a group. And I'm playing armchair psychologist right now, but everyone wants their tribe. Everyone wants to belong to something bigger than themselves. And we have people who live in New York City 10 million people, people live in London, 10 million people, and they're piled on top of each other, and they feel all alone. I'm sure you guys know the people who have, have done this, and you talk to them, and they're like, wow, I don't have any friends in New York. I don't really have any friends in London. I don't have any friends. I don't know. It's a big city in Australia. I'm sure uh, Sydney. Sydney. Like, right. It's things like that. So people are just, they just will latch onto anything that they can feel belonging to, and that might actually be why a lot of people are probably Bitcoiners, right? They don't have very many friends in wherever they live, and they find this like-minded or they think like-minded community with Bitcoin maximalists, and I'm a Bitcoiner now. It's my tribe.
1: Well, I think certainly early on, I mean, I, I, I'm saying this because I am one. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of Bitcoiners are kind of weirdos. Like, they, they're on the kind of... It's
0: the spice of life, though. Let's yeah, well, they're just...
1: I think they're the kind of... rebels or... Yeah, people who see the world differently or know something's wrong or contrarian, contrarian, yeah. because you, I think you kind of have to be to be go to, to actually be able yeah, to be bitcoiner. Yeah, when you think about what you're saying to me, we're saying, by the way, you know, this money we have that we spent for years is completely wrong. What actually we need is a, a form of money that nobody controls, that's completely decentralized, that's digital, that has this consensus layer. Trying to explain that to people and say, what, what do you mean the government doesn't? Yeah, no, the government won't control money. Remember, the government are all evil and bad. You sound like a fucking nutter yes so you have to be contrarian you have to be able to like think like that fortunately what i think has been happening over the last couple of years is that kind of contrarian thinking is going mainstream
0: being mm-hmm. a contrarian is not being contrarian anymore yeah
1: because yeah. it's just like so many lies and bullshit i think iraq was a big big point when oh we all, yeah that was i think that was one of the starting points when we we knew we got lied into a war. Yeah, that's that. To me, was like that's a big starting point. Then we had the financial crisis in 2008. It's like okay, we all got fucked here. Yeah, and nobody went to jail. And it's there's been more and more and more. Now people are like, the media are lying to me. The politicians are lying to me. I've got no money. Everything's fucked. I think people start to realize. And the big hope for me, the center ground to me is Joe Rogan. I will bring him up again and again. He has managed to create one of the biggest media companies in the world which is him and another guy in the studio interviewing people and having the ability to discuss anything, yeah. not get cancelled, not care. Yeah. You can completely disagree with him. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter. He's allowing those conversations to happen. And you know he openly admits he's progressive on a number of issues yeah. and he likes to shoot guns. He's a Bernie bro. Fight.
0: Is of. he a Bernie bro? If you can say one thing about Bernie, at least he's been consistent. That's that's a Rogan line. Is that true? Yeah, I don't listen. Says. I don't listen to Rogan very much.
1: So he does, but he like he will have um, Tulsi Gabbard on. He's a big fan of Tulsi Gabbard, but he likes to shoot guns. He he likes almost the conservative lifestyle, yeah. the Texas lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, he wants to shoot guns, hunt. Texas yeah. liberal. Yeah, but but he has but he has issues where he would say he's progressive and sure. others. Would, so he's not he's not audience captured. He's not ideologically captured. He just says what he thinks. Yeah. And he cannot get cancelled for it and he doesn't lose his audience for it. Yeah. And that is what we need more of because Anderson Cooper can't do that. No. Anderson Cooper has to be a complete lefty. Yeah. Sean Hannity can't. No. Or Tucker Carlson, even worse. Absolute piece of shit, I think he is, who will literally pick up any point to fight the other side. Yeah. And these people are captured. They're trapped. Yeah. They cannot they cannot express themselves outside of the Stream of views that must be
0: held by their wing of politics. Yeah. And that is dangerous. Yeah. I think I found your soapbox. Huh? I found your soapbox. Did you reckon? Yeah. He loved this. Uh, or it, hate or hate it.
1: <laughs> no, could you know what it is? When you're growing up in the UK, you hear of America and like your rich friends got to go to Florida and Disneyland. <laughs> you didn't get to go, but it's you heard cool. about it and it sounded amazing. And Disney I, as an adult is amazing, by the way. You should do that. I, I did. The first time I did it was a, as an adult, it took oh, my it's amazing. Kids. But you see America from a distance. It's like land of the free. It's amazing. Everything's amazing. Everything's big. Hot dogs and hockey and like everything's amazing. And then I started coming and I've. there's no country I've traveled to more than America. It's yeah. like 80 times now. I absolutely love it. And my experience of America living it, meeting you today, hanging out is entirely different from social media and media. And so what, what we see of America on media in the UK is very different from the experience coming here. And I see a great nation of people tearing each other apart because of the incentives of the politicians and the media. A very small group of people who are fucking it up for everyone else. Yeah, And it annoys me.
0: Yeah. I will defend America to the end of time. I am proud to be an American. I am proud that it is what helped bring me here. My grandmother was going to be a tobacco farmer in Greece. She got her family and came over here. And I got the opportunity to be a tobacco farmer if I so chose, right? That is an amazing thing. And so I totally agree with you, right? Social media has ruined the world, right? (laughs) As long as it stays on social media and doesn't enter our real life, I think we'll be okay. I think we're in this really weird COVID, post-COVID time where everyone was staring at their damn computers all day and they got stuck in their echo chambers. Bitcoiners got stuck in their echo chambers. No corners got stuck in their echo chambers. And while we're saying all these terrible things about the other guy and the enemy, we're not quite enemies. We're all one human people, right? That sounds like kumbaya bullshit, but, yeah, but. we're part of this big system. And I think it's actually, there's a part of Bitcoin I'm kind of tangent, getting on a tangent now, but Bitcoiners love talking about individualism and how Bitcoin kind of pushes that forward. Oh, you're your own person, self-reliance. But if you actually think about it, Bitcoin does a really, really good job of highlighting exactly the opposite. If I owned all the Bitcoin, Bitcoin wouldn't be worth anything. If you were mining all the Bitcoin, Bitcoin wouldn't be worth anything. If Danny was over here, you know, being the only lightning guy running a channel with himself, that wouldn't be anything valuable. If anything, it's highlighted how reliant we are on all of each other. I mean, for fuck's sake, I don't have to go down to the river every day and fish for my food and get some water and bring it back. It's an afterthought. We live on top of each other in New York City. There's, like I said, 8 million people here, or however many million people. We don't have to worry about surviving. So now we have to go find our other tribe and start yelling at each other on Twitter. It's, Bitcoin has done the opposite, I think. People like talking about individualism, libertarianism, whatever the hell it is. But I think Bitcoin does the complete opposite.
1: The Orange Party. <laughs> the Orange Party. I actually love... You said the other day, was it you who said that? No, I don't think that was me. Who was it? Somebody said, like, I love... I agree, I love the idea of the Orange Party. It's like we come together on issue, the important issues rather than find, like, what unites us rather than what divides us. Yeah, it sounds like some hippie shit, though. Yeah, it does, I but like, that. fuck it. It's like, even, like, I'm not a fan of Lex Friedman. I, I don't, I listen to The Odd Show, but he gets criticized. Do you have time what, for that? I, I mean, I don't <laughs> have time for much. He gets criticized for, like, you know, he comes with love and everything. But, like, when you think about it, you're criticizing for a person coming out and saying, I want unity, I want love, I want people. And it's, it's maybe a reflection on society that yeah. we're rejecting that. Yeah. What do you want about you want people to be unified and to you know, come from a position of love? You fucking weirdo, let's fight. It's like, yeah. that's a reflection on us in society. Well, it's like
0: the, some people take that to the logical extreme and they say, oh, you, you want one monoculture. Co- but we don't want that. No. Just want you to love each other. And you, do you guys know Chad Ochosenko? No. Nope. Oh, man. You should follow him on Twitter. He's hilarious. He's, a, he's, the, he's an American football player, uh, 85. Chad Ochosenko. And all he says is, I love you. And people, and he, you know, say, how can, you, how can I say that I love you if I've never met you? Because I love you, right? It's Again, I sound like such a hippie, but it's true. Like, it's great.
1: Hippie, bro.
0: I'm such a hippie. <laughs> people, It's funny. Uh, my closest friends know that I probably lean more liberal, and I think a lot of people think I'd lean the other way, which makes me an enigma. It makes me feel cool, right? I'm a contrarian.
1: This show is brought to you by ledden From savings accounts to personal loans and even mortgages, Ledin's financial services enable Bitcoiners to experience the benefits of their holdings today without selling their Bitcoin. With everything that happened last year in the lending market, Ledin demonstrated that their robust risk management strategy was the right approach, as they don't actively trade or invest in DeFi yield generation. Ledin only supports Bitcoin and USDC, two of the highest quality and most liquid assets in the industry. They are also dedicated to transparency and are the first digital asset lending company to complete a proof of reserves attestation, which they re-verify every six months. With multilingual support on Standby 24-7, Leden is there to support all your needs. To find out more, please head over to Leden.io, which is LEDN.io. Next up we have Ledger. Now, Ledger is the world leader in Bitcoin security and is the best way for you to own and secure your private keys. If you're still holding Bitcoin on an exchange or with a custodian, it might be time for you to take your security a bit more seriously, because remember, not your keys, not your Bitcoin. And Ledger hardware wallets paired with the Ledger Live app are the easiest and safest way to start managing your private keys. You can send and sign your Bitcoin transactions with full transparency in the Ledger Live app, And honestly, it couldn't be easier. I've been a Ledger customer since early 2017. I'm still using the same Nano S I bought then, and I've got a few more of their products. I absolutely love everything they do. Ledger also have a very new product coming. It's called Stacks. It's going to be dropping in the summer. I've already pre-ordered mine. Now, the pre-order is sold out, but there is a wait list. So go and get on that while you can. Now, if you want to find out more or purchase a hardware wallet from Ledger, then please head over to shop.ledger.com, which is S-H-O-P. Dot ledger.com That is shop.ledger.com. Next up, we have BitCasino. Established in 2013, BitCasino was the first licensed Bitcoin casino, trusted by tens of thousands of players worldwide. Not only do they have cutting edge security, but they also have fast withdrawals and VIP experiences that money can't buy. With over 2,800 games and tournaments to compete against each other, BitCasino is the best online casino for Bitcoiners, and with 24-7 live chat support, you can get all the help you require. To find out more about BitCasino, the first Bitcoin casino to win an EGR award, head over to bitcasino.io, which is B-I-T-C-A-S-I-M-O dot and please remember to gamble responsibly. Also, today we have our new sponsor, Iris Energy. Now, as you've probably noticed, we have been increasingly covering Bitcoin mining on the show. And as the team at Iris Energy share mine and Danny's values, they're such a great fit for what Bitcoin did and for you, our listeners. Now, Iris Energy is the largest NASDAQ-listed Bitcoin miner who has used 100% renewable energies since inception. Iris Energy targets markets with low-cost excess renewable energy, and they build and operate their own proprietary data centers. And the team is led by a seasoned management team with a track record of success across infrastructure, renewables and digital assets. In fact, Iris Energy's Nasdaq IPO was the only Bitcoin mining IPO to be led by top tier investment banks, including JP Morgan and Citi. Now, Iris Energy know that Bitcoin mining can be done sustainably, supporting the Bitcoin ecosystem as well as the energy transition. Iris Energy is the leading 100% renewable energy miner. And if you want to find out more about them, then please head over to irisenergy.co, which is I-R-I-S-E-N-E-R-G-Y.co, or look up their ticker I-R-E-N on NASDAQ. Show, show him my pinned tweet. Okay. I think you'll like this. I'm curious what
2: you think on the Orange Party stuff. You didn't really answer because I don't know if... Voting on policies just because it aligns with Bitcoin is a good idea.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking at this tweet. That's what the people in the UK think of you.
2: That's how Americans see Pete versus how Brits see
0: him. That's hilarious. So as the Orange Party is, we only care about Bitcoin, where the policies only are beneficial for Bitcoin. Is that the idea? I think it's like
1: you, you, you vote on
2: what's beneficial for Bitcoin, yeah.
1: Is that right? I think it's that, but I also think it's like, it's an exit vow from two-party politics in the U.S., it's not being ide- politically, ideologically driven. Yeah. It is saying, we're exiting that, let's come together. We might disagree on other things, but let's disagree on the issue rather than because of who we are. So like, it became, it yeah. kind of brings us to a bit more unified and say, let's just focus on, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just single-issue voting. It's Bitcoin and that's it. Yeah.
0: yeah. I don't think you get very much support for that. There are not that many Bitcoiners. It's a really small echo chamber.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There, I mean, what do we say, 100 million Bitcoiners in the world? Yeah. Is that what they say? Whatever the number is? That seems like a lot. But yeah, it's that than seems it's more po- than the population yeah. Yeah, of the UK. They, if I'm someone who believes that Bitcoin should disappear into the background and just become base money, then I would not vote for the Orange Party, I don't think. Because I don't think, I think this, oh God, people are going to hate me for this. I think that the state should exist. In some capacity, I don't think that
1: you state is cock.
0: I don't think we'll survive in anarchy, right? And and I think the people who believe that they can survive without the government are the ones who probably can't. The ones who are on social media saying they're truly anarchists. No, I don't know if I mean there are probably a few of them.
1: I agree and disagree. Okay, so my tell you where I agree. A,
0: my brother's an animal. He would survive as an anarchist, and he loves the state. He was so, in the Marine Corps.
1: So I agree and disagree. So okay. I am also somebody who's a proponent of democracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not so... I don't even feel like I need to say we need government. I feel we will always have government. If you get rid of government, a new government will come yeah. because there'll be ways to organize yourselves. Like if you went magic red button, government's gone, what's going to happen? People are going to start being worried about safety. Yeah. And so it's like, well, how do we become safer? Well, let's work together. Let's yeah. build a community. Yeah. Okay, and the community, How's the community make decisions? Well, we need a decision maker. Yeah. Well, you need a leader. That's right. You create a government. Yeah. Every time you get rid of government, you create government. We have government within our podcast. The six people at work. Yeah. I am the leader, but it's authoritarian. We have government within my family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's authoritarian. Yeah, But there's a certain amount of democracy in this. Like, if Danny's got an issue, he can come to me and we can work through it. Yeah. But, like, government exists everywhere. Yeah. It, you might call it something else, or governance exists everywhere. Oh, yeah. Because, That's the G and ESG we don't talk about. Well, because you have to have ways of organizing people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, companies have governance. Charities have governance. Football teams have governance. Everything has governance. There's ways to organize yourself. You're not going to have 300 million people suddenly completely be an individual. Yeah. And so I think you will always have it. My worry is my my, my worry of democracy is that we're sliding towards authoritarianism. My other worry is if you get rid of it, you may be it with something much worse. Yeah. I but agree with I that. think democracy is broken at the moment, and I think government is broken. I think it worked. And now it's not working.
0: Yeah, and Bitcoin fixes that. I'd argue that parts of it don't get fixed. You're talking. You kind of mentioned charity a little bit. How do we have a well? How do we deal? I say deal. That sounds very disparaging. How do we help our most do, downtrodden citizens, the homeless, the poor? in an environment where it's Bitcoin only. How are they helping them in LA? How are they helping They're them? They're not. In... Yeah, Homelessness is one of the most confusing things to me, and I wish I spent more time understanding it because it's so sad to me that the people who are homeless don't at least have one person in their life that could just pick them up. It's really, really sad to me. It's.
1: I mean, it's a complicated subject. Yeah. Um, Michael Schellenberger wrote a book okay. called San Francisco, and then he went down the homelessness rabbit hole He did a sh- again a show with Joe Rogan. I'd recommend listening to it. Okay. He talked about how he thinks he would solve it. He talked a lot about the cycle of drug issues, sure um, some in some places it's too easy to be homeless. Is it like you know of the yeah, but not easier, but it's too easy in that. Okay. you know it's harder to be homeless in Texas than it is in um, where were we in Texas where they said like they'd banned homelessness? Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah,
0: where oh was my I? God.
1: Yeah, but like what I'm saying is it's easier to be homeless in some places than others. I don't know how to solve big problems like homelessness. But there are certain things like I, I really... I'm, I've am i for many years been very proud of the NHS in the UK. Sure. It's now broken. Okay. But I think, again, that is... The reason the NHS is, is broken is because of a failure of governance and a failure of economic management. Yeah. Okay, that's why it's broken. Uh, but I was proud of the fact that anyone in the UK, whatever their condition... They have a problem, they can go and they get treated, and it's not going to bankrupt them. I think that's a great system to have. Yeah. Sadly, it annoys people who want absolute freedom because they think it's theft to pay for other people, right? I'm proud of the fact that in the UK, every building that gets built, every public building, has to have wheelchair access. Nobody is discriminated against because they're in a wheelchair. They can get in and out of any building. I think that's great. The incentives go the other way because I bought a house and the house can be signed off by building rigged until it had a, a ramp and as soon as it's signed off and the house is bought you can get rid of it yeah so there are stupid things That's that happen so dumb. I, I think it's a measure of a civilized society how much it looks after its most vulnerable and its weakest yeah and i absolutely support that i am happy to pay tax i pay too much tax but i am happy to pay a tax to contribute towards it yeah and now if you get rid of that will you will you build the gap in a voluntary way? Food banks are a voluntary system that work in the UK. So, okay. I think it's 100% voluntary-based. Daniel will check. But certainly, like, you do your shopping, there's a box in, you contribute something, that food gets distributed. I think that's great. Yeah. But I think we need food banks, because again, because of the broken economic system.
0: Do you think that if we moved away from you know the government giving that away, could we actually... I'm asking you questions now. Could we genuinely have a society where the rich people give all their money and take care of the downtrodden? Because I actually have a pretty strong opinion on this, and I don't think rich people mm. will take care of everyone because of yeah. the things that they donate their money to sometimes.
1: So I can only give you anecdote, or like answers based on anecdotes and so things I've seen. So when I've tra- traveled to what you would say poorer countries, mm-hmm. I think the wealth gap is more obvious. Between the rich and poor there. Yeah. Okay. So, certainly places in South America, I think there's a much wider gap. If it, it visually looks like a wider gap because you can have fences and walls on one side of favelas, on the other side you've got big houses and mansions. Yeah. I don't know if that's because of a, a weaker uh, um, a welfare system that doesn't support people. I don't know if that's... I, don't, I can't give you the basis for that. I can just anecdotally say the most developed first world nations which have the most developed welfare systems, seem to have a smaller gap between the rich and the poor, and the poorest seem to at least have something to grab a hold of, some way of being able to feed themselves, maybe at home themselves. Yeah. So, but it's purely anecdotal.
0: Yeah, if we went to, I, I tend to agree with you on that. I think if we went to a society or a country, just take the US, where it was just the rich people giving away money to the poor people to take care of them, I don't think that would work. If you think about it, people seem afraid to give money anonymously. And so I was at the Air and Space Museum in D.C. Jeff Bezos has given just a monstrous amount of money to it, right? And I'm not even thinking about him and how his name is at the top. Like, I am Jeff Bezos. I have made this amazing, it's an amazing museum. It's awesome. But if you go around the corner, there is a section that's about the planets. And come explore the planets. And it's not called Explore the Planetary System. It's, Kenneth C. Griffin's, you know, like possessive, Explore the Planets. Who the fuck do you think you are, Ken Griffin, that you are even important in this situation? Where you're going to give money for this awesome exhibit about the planets, and you think that your little microscopic ass matters? That is ridiculous. It's such an ego play. So they're just going to do whatever is most splashy. And that's anecdotal. I don't know how people are going to act. I know there are rich people who give their money away anonymously, but I don't think most rich do it because they care. I think they do it because they give a shit about themselves. And that's so cynical. I'm the most yeah. cynical person with that.
1: Well, i had my brother say to me once, like, charity is the ultimate form of, what is he, he saying? self flattery <laughs> Yeah, self-lattery. Like, Masturbation, probably. Yeah. There's a math equation in there that needs to be figured out, which is in terms of... If people had zero, there was zero rate of tax and they had, they managed to maintain their wealth, how much would they give away and how much more productive would that give away be compared to taxation by government and government's poor redistribution?
0: Yeah. I mean, the government does do a poor job of redistributing. I think that's.
1: Absolutely terrible job. Yeah. But it does a job of redistribution that might not exist without it. Yeah. And then you go down the ethical lines and say, well,
0: so be it. Like, that's life. Why should I have my property rights violated? Well, because we were just talking about the human experience, the kumbaya. You still turn on your water for the, your sink rolling for the water, right? You're not hunting for food. It might have seed oils in it, but you don't have to hunt for it.
1: Well, at least Bitcoin, the great thing about Bitcoin is forced me to question all of this.
0: Do you genuinely, I keep asking you questions, but it's fun to do it that way. I'm Socratic. I'm the Socratic school of thought. It's fine, we're good. Do you think that's a Bitcoin thing or do you think that's a you thing? Because I have a ravenous appetite for curiosity. I love yeah. learning about ant colonies. I don't know, that's like the most recent thing I was reading about on Wikipedia. Is that just a you thing? It's a good Or question. is that a Bitcoin thing?
1: I think it's a me thing, and Bitcoin has directed the me thing at certain topics. Sure. Like yeah. Money. Money. Philosophy. Um, nah. A little energy? Bit. Money, energy, uh, I, I think fairness. Sure. It, like, ultimately, all of it comes yeah, down to yeah. fairness. Like, what is that? That's fair? philosophical, I'd say. Yeah, that. and I, I've therefore wrestled, yeah, I was a like, raging liberal growing up. Yeah. Um, and I've definitely gone more to the center and then certain topics more to the conservative side. But I've like wrestled with, like I've had to wrestle with climate change. Yeah. yeah what is real, what isn't real, what isn't yeah. real. I've had to wrestle with money, I've had to wrestle with the role of the state. Should it exist, will it always exist? I've had to wrestle with a lot of subjects. Yeah. Um. And I still don't know know the answer on a number of things. I'm still trying to figure it out. It's complicated. Yeah, It's a very complicated world.
0: Yeah. I think Bitcoin did help push me towards thinking about money. Yeah. So I think that's fair. I mean, but you've seen the TikToks or the videos of young kids being, hold on a second. This is a paper thing. Why does this have value, right? And they get flamed by all the comments, but... That's a fair question. So I think people do have that question growing up and they just don't have an avenue. So Bitcoin does help with that. Oh, this is a different kind of money, completely different than anything I've seen before. And what I mean by completely different, is not that different from gold, but a lot of these kids growing up now have never really like dealt in cash. So when they see their bank accounts and see numbers on the screen and it's, oh, actually, that's not my numbers on the screen, that's the bank's numbers on the screen. And Bitcoin is my numbers on the screen. it's cool that way. Bitcoin does help people think about money.
1: Well, that's one. I mean, this is one of my favorite things about Bitcoin is it forces you to
0: rethink these things. Yeah, but I said people are mid earlier. <laughs> people are also very, very smart. I mean, I yeah. believe in the human spirit and I don't necessarily think that absent Bitcoin, we wouldn't be trying to do something else and thinking about other things and making things bigger and better.
1: I think you'd really enjoy sitting down with Andrew Bailey.
0: Mm. Really? Yeah. That's Did you listen to my show with him? I think so.
1: Yeah, he's a fascinating guy. Yeah, that's a
0: compliment. I yeah, appreciate
1: that. He, um, well, I think you're wrestling with things I've wrestled with. This yeah. is why this has been less of an interview, more of a conversation. Um, and at Andrew Bailey, he kind of played a trick trick on me. I'm not sure if it was on purpose, but he he kind of turned the interview on me and made I've asked me really you a cool. bunch of questions. Yeah, but it made me question things and things I'm wrestling with because. It goes back to this point, is that there's loads of Bitcoin podcasts out there. I think a lot of them are cheerleading shows. Yeah. And this isn't a cheerleading show. This is a this is a podcast about Bitcoin that accepts it might fail.
0: We haven't talked much about it, honestly.
1: Yeah, fair. But it accepts it might fail. It also questions whether Bitcoin is is good for the world. Like, I've questioned that. Yeah. I still, I, I think it is, but I don't know with, that, with certainty. Yeah. I don't know if we went through hyper-Bitcoinization what the negative consequences of that are? C- could we see a complete collapse in society? Yeah. Could we see, yeah, you know, could we see a lot of death, blood yeah. come from that? Could it ultimately be a ne- negative? Yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah, don't A lot of people say it will get worse before it gets better. Isn't that sort of like the rallying cry around that? Yeah.
1: And does it get better? Does it? Yeah. It, it is. Could it be a catalyst for human destruction? I, I just don't know the answers.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, I'm going to say the corniest thing ever. I think it matters what Layer Zero is doing and Layer is people. I, I think money, yeah, it sounds a little corny. I think money is an instrument for change, and it's but it's not the change itself. And it's a very powerful tool and it depends on who wields it and what kind of change change gets implemented. If, if a bad person has good money to make change, they're going to make bad changes. Throwing good money at bad doesn't do a damn thing.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, so Bitcoin we, will what be- we, Well, what we therefore need is a fairer system of money where, this, where there's less ability to game the system to acquire more of it in an unfair way. And if we do that, then hopefully you would see a wider distribution of money and a yeah. fair distribution of money amongst good and bad. You yeah. will get bad, you know, bad, but you will get right. a fair distribution of money.
0: Yeah, but if the social structures are still in place that discriminate against the currently discriminated, it doesn't matter how good the money is. It doesn't matter if you have access to bank banks or whatever institution you didn't have access to before. If society hates you, society hates you.
1: If Bitcoin leads to a fair distribution of money, does it lead to a better distribution
0: of power? Well, no, I don't think so. I still think... Power is one of the, this is very philosophical, power is so strange to me, especially when you consider that a lot of people who are in power, especially in totalitarian uh, societies, and I'm not pointing to anyone right now, whoever may be listening, but they're always short and small, right? Maybe not always, but for some reason, people listen to what they have to say because of the guns. I don't know. I don't know if I answered your question.
1: No, I, I, no, you didn't. (laughs) You just picked on small people.
0: I'm below six feet tall, so it makes you? me short? 5'11? 5'11. Damn it, you were just short. Yeah, that's fine.
1: I'm 5'9 and a half. You're not short. I, you're, uh, I'm average. You're average. I'm headed, literally yeah. average. Yeah. I'm above average weight in <laughs> the wrong way. <laughs> well, um, no, but so, so my point is money is power, right? When sure. you have money, you have power. Yeah. You just do. Yeah. You can do more um, in different ways, right? So you have the power to change people's lives. Yeah. As I have accumulated Bitcoin and Bitcoin has led to more wealth, I've been able to give some of that to people to change their lives. So that is a powerful act you have. Sure. But also, money gives you power and influence on a social and political level. Yeah. We know that, especially in the US, with lobbying and Mm -hmm. backdoor deals. Now, if you had more money in the hands of good people, Mm -hmm. does that lead to a better wielding of power and a better society.
0: Yeah, and leaving aside the fact that what is good is up to the eye of the beholder. Of, of course, but, but... Yes, if good people have money and bad people have less, that would be better.
1: And if the Cantillian effect benefits the people who wield that power in the worst way possible, by closing, by getting rid of the Cantillian effect, would,
0: we, would it lead to a fair and better society? So... God, this is really philosophical. And I'm not even. I was a math major. You believe that? So maybe I'm misunderstanding what it is. Isn't it where manipulation of money supply increases the price of both goods and of assets?
1: No, this is those closest to the spigot benefit okay. more from the creation of money.
0: And you're saying that if Bitcoin was the base money, you can't just create money willy or yeah? You-
1: so you lose that. You lose that effect. And if. If you, yeah. s- but but then but then I'm going to flip it the other way. Sure. Uh, power power corrupts, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Sure. So was it the money that made these people bad, or did they arrive bad and get the money? What came first, the money
0: or the bad? The money. I think people are good. I yeah, think I, I, think, are I think I good. agree.
1: So like, if you get rid of that, if you have a fair distribution of money, not in a communist way, just in a Uh, Natural order of effects by having fair money, do we have less negative power?
0: Yes, but I would really question if Bitcoin has a fair distribution. Just think about the wealth that the earlier people have.
1: But we're still very early. Over time, does that distribution improve? I don't know.
0: If I'm to guess, I don't think so. I think HODL culture is so cemented in early Bitcoiners, right? I mean, a ton of money. And then we, I mean, all of us are in Bitcoin because we think it's better money. We think it's Bordeaux. It's great central position. That's great. We also want to make money. We're not doing this for free. Uh Like, if I wanted to work for free, I work on open source software. I work at Coindesk. I make money there because I am a person who wants to make money because that's how our civilization works. I think... A, something that we have a blind spot to is early Bitcoiners. And I, I mean early, right? I think Bitcoin's going to be around forever or for a very long time. We're early Bitcoiners. I think a blind spot is the fact that there is still this distribution problem because people who were early, not all of them were smart. Some of them just got plain old lucky. And someone like my dad, who we've talked about earlier, who was earlier than them even and has no Bitcoin, well, shouldn't he be compensated for the fact that he was early? And but because he took you know custody into his own hands and he kind of fucked it up or whatever or you know his family needed him to pay for things because it was a financial crisis. Is that fair? Is that a fair distribution? My dad was CPU mining.
1: I think Bitcoin has the fairest distribution model possible. Yeah. But if you apply a moral layer to to that, you can uh, you can you can consider that maybe it is unfair. Yeah. Like. I think the earlier you are, the fairer you think it
0: is. <laughs> yeah, I think that's completely true. Yeah. I would if it, ah, this is the fairest thing in the world if I was CPU mining back in 09, right? Or 2010, whatever it was. Yeah, I wish I was. I think we're, I think more philosophical stuff here. I think we're great, what we're doing now. This is great.
1: Yeah, I agree. Look, I'm I'm in a really good place with all of this. Yeah. Trying to avoid the doom mongers or being a doomer myself and yeah. being more pro. I'm very interested in ideas that people have that bring people together. Yeah. constructively, rather than pulling people apart. Again, why we considered with this show, I think we now have a bigger job to do, Yeah. which is not preach about Bitcoin to Bitcoiners, which is preach about money and economics to everybody, which means we might have to not be what Bitcoin did anymore Yeah. and be a generic show that can bring enough people in there to educate them about money, economy, and important, important subjects. That feels like more of a mission now
0: yeah. than talking about 21 million UTXOs. Yeah, it, I always, I get bent out of shape with some of those maximalist slogans. Who cares if it's 21 million? It actually does not matter that it's 21 or 22. It was not preordained by some God. Bitcoin was invented, I don't care what anyone says. It just matters. was discovered. No, fuck that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I know, I know. That's invented. so ridiculous. If it was 40 million at the beginning, so be it. The fact that it's unchanging is the good part. And I'm yeah. getting really tired of, you know, it's, what is it, infinity over 21? Who gives a shit? It doesn't matter. Also, you can't live on the blockchain, right? We've kind of touched on energy a little bit. Bitcoin in and of itself need not fix our energy systems and or reverse the effects of climate change or whatever the, the correct term to use for, I think climate change, right? It's yeah. not global warming anymore. Bitcoin in and of itself isn't gonna do shit for that. Bitcoin doesn't have a, a moral compass. It just, and thank God it doesn't, because you know, there are some people I might discriminate against. Short <laughs> <Sure> people. <laughs> Short people. Anyone under 5'11"? The Cypriots. <laughs> No, nah, man, those are my people. <laughs> I'm mean, oh, no, sorry, it's
1: the Turkish, isn't it?
0: Yeah, well, the Cypriots, I guess the Turks listening might be like, well, Cypriots are Turks, but they're Greek. Uh, they islands cut in half, quite literally. Between I've been. Is it
1: awesome? Well, I was nearly born in Cyprus. So my dad... So you're almost there. Yeah, I was almost there. And so my dad uh, went out... So I'm an accident. I'm a product of my dad getting a job in Cyprus and getting drunk one night and eyeing up my mom and getting her pregnant. Absolutely, he admitted it this year. Like, I've always suspected... Listen... What you don't do, you don't have a boy and a girl a year apart, you don't get the set, and then four years later go, let's have another baby, right? My dad got offered a job in Cyprus. He an aircraft engineer. said, do you want to go to Cyprus? Turn the planes around. So planes come in, check them, send them back out. He's like, yeah, that's great. So him, my mom, my brother and sister moved to Cyprus, right? Mom gets pregnant while they're there, okay? Now, I'm definitely an accident. Mm -hmm. But I was going to be born there... And just the hospitals weren't good enough. So my dad said, you know what, Maureen, she sent me back. (coughs) Sorry, sent my mum back. So I was born in uh, Reading near my granddad's. Um, But we went back and visited. And I've been up to that no man's. It's so weird. There's a no man's. So I don't know if you know, but Turkey invaded Cyprus. And basically, do you still?
0: No, no, Greece, like the Ottomans. That's that's completely different.
1: Yeah, but like they invaded Cyprus and they basically annexed part of the land. And they've created this no man's land between the Cypriot side and the Turkish side. And I want to guess, I mean, you might be able to find it, searching for it, search for Cyprus No Man's Land. I want to say it's like 100, 200 feet. And it's the land, it's the, it's the land where time stood still, because nobody goes in there. So all the shops that are there look like they did whenever the, whenever hmm. the war was. That's you, crazy. You found it?
0: Yeah. The buffer zone is what they're yeah. calling
1: it. It's a really strange place to go. Yeah. Hmm. But I mean, really they just
0: stole the land off.
1: Of the Cypriots.
0: Yeah, was I saying? I don't discriminate. I could discriminate, I yeah. said.
1: And I said, well, maybe maybe the Cypriots, but I actually meant the Turks. Alright, well listen, look. Where do we go with this? With
0: Bitcoin or with society? Everything we've spoken about. Do we have a do you feel
1: a duty yourself?
0: Yeah, and it's like the most ridiculous thing for me to say that I feel like I have an impact on Bitcoin in the world because I'm sitting in my little corner and trying to write about it in a way that presents it in a fair light and also gets people excited about it for the right reasons. We shouldn't get people excited about it because it might make them rich. Great. But it is a really good motivator to get people excited about it, right? Like, oh, it's going to go to $600,000. That's 10x my money or actually 30x my money, whatever. That sounds great. If I'm going to pretend that I have a small impact on Bitcoin, being a think boy, writing all my pieces, I just want to sit in the corner and try to help push the culture, and I hate the term culture around Bitcoin, but the culture around Bitcoin so that it's less about Bitcoin itself solving everything and how we can use Bitcoin as a tool to solve everything. I think that's happening in any way. Yeah. I think the culture is evolving. Yeah, to be clear, I'm not saying that I'm the culture champion. No one knows who the fuck I am. So. <laughs>
1: but I think the culture is changing itself.
0: I just like I say,
1: I think there's only so long you can just be like an angry Bitcoiner. Like when Bitcoins, you, you your ideas shouldn't be your identity.
0: Totally. I mean, okay? being a Bitcoin maximal should not be an identity.
1: Yeah, it shouldn't be. Your ideas should not be your identity because you need to be flexible around your ideas. I might have stolen that out of Rogan, but um, oh, was it Tim Ferriss? I've definitely heard it before. I'm not. This isn't an original Pete McConnell thought. And because you need to be able to be flexible to say if your ideas are wrong, yeah, and being an angry bitcoiner shouldn't, should not be an identity. and it is for some people, yeah, and but I don't think it, like it's, it's doomed to fail, yeah because in the end it just gets boring. yeah. but I do think at the same time, we, we need this almost like army of considerate bitcoiners who really understand the mission and the goals and make sure that the system or the protocol doesn't get co-opted for bad reasons. yeah, so we still need to maintain that. I agree. But like, we're we're not at a time, we're at a time of peace, relative peace, maybe a small little civil war over these ordinals. But we're at a time of relative peace. Like, how do we make progress now? Where can we put our time? What is a useful way to expend our time to spread education, knowledge about this and any other subject that is tangential to Bitcoin? That's where my head's at.
0: Yeah. And I think you're doing a great job with the podcast. You should continue to do that. Okay. I will. I should continue to write what I'm writing. You should do. Yeah. I hope it was valuable for people Dude. listening to me talk.
1: These are my by the way, these these kind of conversations some people love and some people hate. Okay. Some people are gonna be on YouTube and they're going to be like, fuck you, you, didn't talk about anything interesting, he stayed his cooks. Other people are gonna be like, I loved this. It's like yeah. these are my favorite ties. I like the philosophical chats. I like wrestling with something live. Okay. And trying to figure out where my position is. And, and and openly admitting I don't fucking know.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I think that's one of the most powerful things you could do as a human being in general, is that Humble yourself to the point where you can say, "I don't get that." It's one of my. I able a whole career off it. Yeah, um, <laughs> you're quite good at it. I think it's one of my superpowers. Where someone tells me something, and you've been in that situation where they tell you something you don't quite know, and you just nod your head, "Huh, yeah." I don't do that. I'm a lucky man that I'm okay saying, "Wait, what are you talking about?" Yeah. Right. What's a Cantillon effect? I think that's a great. Here, if that's the piece of advice, don't worry about people thinking you're dumb. Ask questions if you got them.
1: I think that's a perfect place to wrap up. All right, George, if people want to follow you, check your writing out. Where do they follow you?
0: Uh follow me on Twitter, G-C Caludis, K-A-L-O-U-D-I-S. Uh, check me out on Coindesk. I promise we won't bite. Write some good stuff. Awesome. And yeah. And I got a book for you, but we okay. never talked about Tell it. Tell me. So this is the only book I recommend to people because I hate going around saying, oh, you should read because it, it doesn't, it doesn't make you virtuous if you read. But you should read books. They're great. And this one's short. So I know you uh Probably do like that in a flight, books. Tribe. Yeah, it's On, great. Homecoming um, and, and there were only two copies. Thank uh, you. My bad, Jeremy. Sorry, man. Um, if
1: I was going to recommend one book for everyone to read, it's The Righteous Mind, Jonathan Haidt. If I had a copy, I'd give it to you. Okay. If you uh, go and buy a copy, I will send you the sets.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, this one is called Tribe, and we talked a little bit about Tribe and belonging. It's by Sebastian Unger, I think. That's how you pronounce it? That's a yep. problem with reading a lot. Younger, I Younger, yeah, probably. And what it talks about is how modern society has kind of rejected the tribal attitude. And because of that, we feel alone in New York City and in London. So we kind of talked about that a little. It's a fabulous read. Some people don't like him because he's like a hyper-masculine kind of guy, and he kind of has these weird takes, but the book is phenomenal.
1: I will read this. Thank you, brother. Great to meet you. Let's do this again sometime. Yeah. With your dad.
0: Hey, with my dad. We can talk about Bitcoin. Yeah, let's do that. How about that?
1: All right, man. Cool. Okay, what did you make of that? I think it was really great to get George on the show. He definitely thinks outside of the regular Bitcoin box, which I really appreciate. And you know what? Some of these conversations have turned into some of my favorites, where we really try and challenge ourselves and start being honest about what Bitcoin is and what it can help us actually achieve. I think this is super important. And also, personally, I like the dynamic of talking to people in America about it and in Europe, because there's definitely different perspectives. Anyway, if you've got any questions about this or anything else, please do hit me up on email. It's hello at did.com. Or you can join our Patreon and jump into our discord. That is patreon.com forward slash whatbitcoindid. And you can tag me, Daniel Ben. We'll all be there waiting for you.